32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, and we'll begin reading in verse number 16. Um, I want to share with you what the Lord has laid on our hearts. I have preached from this chapter before, never from the verse that we are looking at this morning. It's been at least, as best that I can tell, at least 10 years since we have taken our text in this chapter of the Word of the Lord, and at that time, just a couple of verses, the last time that we were here, back in 2006 and in 2009, I preached back from earlier in the portion of the chapter of the Word of the Lord, and if I remember right, we gave a devotional in this chapter of the Word of God back in chapter or in 2018, but in that day, it was not in the portion of Scripture we are studying at all in this chapter today. So uh, after 31 years of preaching and 23 in the same place, I'm covering ground, I guess, that I'm saying this morning that I don't know that we've ever specifically covered before. And I do want to share with you what the Lord has laid on our hearts. If I've ever preached an important message this morning, if I've ever preached an important message this morning, I'm preaching one. And I'd ask you to please give me your undivided attention for a little while. I promise you to cut the fat and give you only the 100% USDA certified grade A lean meat this morning. Um, but it is so important that you pay close attention and give me your, your, your undivided attention. And I'd ask you if you're seated with someone today to leave them alone and let the Lord do something in their heart and life. Don't, don't bother them. Don't talk to them. Don't, uh, don't pass notes. Just, just let God do something in them. And if you see God do something in them, really leave them alone. And let the Lord do what He wants to accomplish in their lives. We don't want to do anything to distract the Lord or distract a person from the Lord's working in their hearts and in their lives. And when I begin to deliver the message, you'll understand why that I say specifically that this morning, though it would hold certainly as a good piece of advice for virtually every service, but especially this morning and what I want to try to share with you from the Word of the Lord. It's a great and important portion of Scripture Moses speaking here as he gets a word from God in chapter 32 of Deuteronomy. Now this is so important because it is nigh unto the end of Moses' life. And he preaches a sermon in chapter 32. And he shouts a shout in chapter 33 and goes home to be with the Lord. Now it's kind of interesting because in the previous chapter, in chapter 31, Moses sings a song. So they're singing and preaching and shouting. Sound like church to me. And uh, seeing what's going on here. But in the preaching time, things are a lot more somber than they are in the singing and in the shouting time of these chapters. Chapter 31 in the song, it's rejoicing. Chapter 33 in the shout, it is praise. Chapter 32, there are some stern warnings that are given unto us. And right now it's preaching time. And so I'd encourage you to pay close attention to what the Lord wants to do in speaking to our hearts and to the hearts of those that maybe do not know Him in the free pardon of sin. If you found your place in Deuteronomy, Old Testament book of Deuteronomy chapter 32, I'd invite you to stand with us and we'll reverence the reading of the Word of the Lord. We'll begin with our reading of our text verses this morning in verse number 16. Deuteronomy 32 and 16, the Word of God says, They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not. To gods that, that, that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful. And thou hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, and he does, he sees, he knows, he's aware, you're not fooling God. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them. Because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. 
They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in mine anger, and shall burn unto the lowest hell, and shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischiefs upon them. I will spend mine arrows upon them. They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with a burning heat and with bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with the poison of serpents of the dust the sword without and the terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hairs. I said I would scatter them into corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease from among men. Were it not that I feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should behave themselves strangely, and lest they should say, Our hand is high, and the Lord hath not done all this. For they are a nation void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise. That they could understand this. That they would consider their latter end. Our text specifically this morning is in verse 22. Where the word of the Lord says, a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while read the word of the Lord. You can tell from the sobriety of the reading this morning that uh, I don't want to give you a nursery rhyme. I want to preach the word of the Lord. I'd ask you to help me and pray for us. I'll take our text from verse 22, the words of the of Moses, the prophet, speaking for the Lord as he has given us, thus saith the word of the Lord, when he uses the phrase, the lowest hell. The lowest hell. Some of you will remember back a few months ago when I preached this same phrase, when the scripture said in Psalms chapter 86 and in verse number 12, I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify thy name forever, for great is thy mercy toward me. And thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. This morning, he, we are not reading about a man or a nation that is delivered from, but delivered to the lowest hell. The term lowest is that word, the depths. It is rendered in its uh, Hebrew uh, fashion or the underlying Hebrew the, before it is translated. It is rendered in a feminine state and it literally means the womb or the pit of hell, the surrounding, the trappings of hell as it were on the inside or in the depths. Hell is that word, Hebrew word sheol, the place of the dead below, the place where the wicked never escape the judgment of God. These are the words of the Lord through his prophet and leader Moses to a people who had forgotten God, who had worshipped idols, who did the work of the devil, the Bible said, that they offered not unto God but unto devils, who are children, the Bible said, in these verses we have read unto you, children who have no faith who have no faith. You realize people do not die lost without God and go to hell because they got drunk, because they cursed, because they stole something, because they did some other heinous act, but it's because they have no faith. It's because they have not yielded to God and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ that they might be saved. And the Bible says that they had no faith that God would then leave them unto themselves. He abhorred them, is what the Scripture says. And God declared in verse number 20, 
I will hide my face from them, and I will see what their end shall be. The Lord left them unto themselves and said, If I let them continue to do what they want to do, and I just sit on the sidelines and watch, they'll come to a terrible end, and I will witness what has happened. They've refused me, and they have refused my presence, and they have followed after devils, and now they will get what they want. They'll get what they have desired. Much of the Sunday school lesson this morning was concerning Israel who desired something that was against the will of God in desiring for a king. And God said, I'm going to give you what you want, but you will not want what you get. And so is the case with every lost condemned man who refuses God. The desire of God was not judgment. The desire of God was mercy. The desire of God was not to unleash the fury of His wrath, but to unleash the bounty of His blessings on them. We see His heart in verse number 29, where He says, Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. But they couldn't see the end. They could not understand or accept that there was an impending judgment. And so we're preaching this morning on the phrase, the lowest hell. Now this is man's problem. He questions the most fundamental things and does not prepare for eternity. He asks questions like, is there life after death? According to a recent survey done by the Global Research Society and the Institute for Social Research, a majority of the world's population believes in some sort of life after death. Now, it is a narrow majority, very narrow majority, 51%. That's about as narrow as you can get if you want to break down percentage, unless you want to break down percentages into pieces of percentages. 51%, that means 49% is on the other side in some way or fashion. I don't know if you can add up math or not, but I can. 51% believe in some sort of life after death. But nearly half of those in America believe in some form of reincarnation. Not an eternity with or without God. They believe in the foolish concept that man has multiple lives in this old world and that he will die in some way and then come back as something else. Years ago, I spoke with a missionary friend of mine in India and he said, you wouldn't believe it, Brother Toby. He said, it's the strangest thing you've ever seen in your life. He said, I land in the airport and said all around the airport said there's cows, cattle, that is C-O-W-S, cows, grown cows, walking through the airport, the terminals, everywhere. Said they're just walking all over the place. Nobody dare herd them away. Nobody dare uh, shoo them off. Nobody dare cause them to leave. He said, to, I said, well, why not? Why don't somebody get out there? I don't care if it's Roy Rogers and Dale Evans and get out there with a rope or I call him boys from the rodeo. We went to the rodeo last night. I call him boys from the rodeo and get somebody out there to herd them cows up. Somebody might want to eat them and to get them out of the airport before they get run over and killed or cause a plane to crash or to get somebody hurt or whatever else is not the place for him. He said, oh, they wouldn't dare do that. Said they all believe in reincarnation here. Said they believe that a man would, could uh, uh, may die and if he has done poorly, he may come back as a fly or as a dog or something like that. But if he's lived his life to the highest degree of esteem, uh, that he'll come back as a cow. Now, I've been raising cows my whole life. And uh, my friend, that is not the highest life form known to humanity. I can assure you, I like cows. But they are not the highest life form. They don't even have top teeth. I don't know if y'all know that or not. They don't even have top teeth. They only have bottom teeth. I, and listen, if I come back as something, I want to come back as something that has a top teeth to it. Amen. Oh, man. And they would never run the cows out of the airport because he said that might be their grandmother or one of their relatives. And actually, we laugh about it this morning because it's humorous. And it would really be funny were it not true. But there are those who literally have put their lives and their fortune and their, their hope in eternity in such foolish notions. Looking to come back into this world as a cow. Looking to have some sort of uh, a return on their investment of doing the right thing in this world. And they will call it karma. Save people ought not to even use terms like that. I know it has infiltrated pop culture and people just use the term not realizing that it is a religious term 
that has roots in Hinduism and has it with it the connotation of reincarnation. Save people don't believe in karma. We don't expect that we're going to live our lives in a certain way so as with hopes to come back as a cow. That is not our desire. We do not believe in karma. We believe in thus saith the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord answers this question for us about is there a life after death. 23% of the respondents in that survey said that there would be no life after death. Man's like a fly. He is here today and is gone tomorrow and nothing is left of him. And of course like there is on any kind of survey 26% of the people said I don't know. That's what they say to every survey. I don't know. They don't know anything. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. The word of God gives us the answer. And you don't have to live in the I don't know crowd. And you don't have to live in the I don't believe crowd. And you don't have to live in the false doctrine crowd. You can have certainty of life after death. There is a life after this old world. I want to tell you two things this morning by way of introduction. And then we'll follow the rules for the preaching. I would have a few things and a few things about those things. But two things by way of introduction. There is... An eternal reward for the born again believer. There is an eternal reward for the born again believer. The apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 6 or 5 and verse number 6. Therefore we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident I say and willing rather to be absent from the body and and to be present with the Lord. What a day that day will be. Jesus said it this way in John 14 and 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know and the way you know and Thomas saith unto him Lord we know not whither thou goest and how can we know the way Thomas is in that skeptical crowd that says we don't know we can't know we don't understand but Jesus saith unto him in verse number 6 I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me know this morning this truth there is an eternal reward for the born again believer and then secondly by way of introduction know this truth there is an eternal retribution for the unregenerate dead there is an eternal retribution for the unregenerate dead Jesus said it this way in Matthew 25 and verse 46 and these shall go away into everlasting punishment for the righteous but the righteous into eternal life Mark chapter 3 verse 29 Jesus said but he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 2 calls that place, my friend, of eternal retribution. For the unregenerate dead calls it eternal judgment. 2 Thessalonians verse uh, chapter 1 verse number 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Matthew chapter 25 verse number 41 says Jesus speaking then shall he say unto them on the left hand depart from me ye curse into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels Jude there is only one chapter in Jude so Jude chapter 1 verse number 6 says it this way it is everlasting chains everlasting chains there is an eternal retribution for the unregenerate Generate dead. And there is nothing else besides one of two ways. When life is over, you'll either find yourself rejoicing in the presence of God and His holy angels, or you'll find yourself eternally separated from the Lord. 
and receiving the judgment that is forever. This life is but for a little while, but eternity is forever. And when you leave this world, my friend, you will arrive in your eternal destination and there will be no checking out, there will be no leaving, there will be no end, there will be no uh, place where the calendar runs out. It is, my friend, an eternal place for the saved, an eternal place reserved in heaven for us. And for the lost, it is sharing with that place that was made for the devil and his angels that we call hell, that we call torment, that we call the lake of fire. And so, my friend, our text verse says, For a fire is kindled in mine anger, and it shall burn unto the lowest hell. Now let me give you four things this morning, and then a few things about these things will be finished. I'll preach them to you as quickly as the Lord will let us. I want to say, first of all, hell is a place where the fire is literal. Hell is a place where the fire is literal. Luke chapter 16, the rich man declared whenever he lifted his eyes in hell, being in torment in the flames, the Bible said that whenever he spoke to Father Abraham, who he saw far off, he said, I am tormented in this flame. Hell is a place where sinners are punished with an eternal torment of fire in full consciousness. Four times in the book of Mark in chapter number 9, four times, Jesus tells us of hell that it is a place where the fire is not quenched and where the worm dieth not. Four times our Lord Jesus says that. The words hell and fire are connected eight times in the Word of God. Hell is a place of fiery torment. And used to be a day whenever I was a boy that it was not once in a while when you heard some preacher who was a fanatic preach about hell but instead it was all the time you heard preachers preach about the place, the fact that there was a heaven to gain and the hell to shine. And I didn't know a man of God that didn't preach about hell. Amen. I didn't know of a preacher that didn't preach about hell and now I don't hardly know but just a handful who do. But it does not change the reality that hell is a place of literal fire. Revelation chapter 14 verse number 11 says, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and they have no rest day nor night. I'm telling you in hell the fire is everlasting. The fire is everlasting. Men will burn and burn and burn and burn but will never burn up. Like the bush on fire at the mountain with Moses. There will be fire but the eternal being will not be consumed. And a man will suffer. Humans who have lost, who had no faith in the Lord, who died lost, will suffer eternal torment of fire with full consciousness. Revelation chapter 20 verse 20 says, they shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. The fire is everlasting. The fire is not extinguished. The fire is not extinguished. Isaiah 66 and 24, the Bible says, and they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me for their worms shall not die neither shall their fire be quenched and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh hell is a place of literal fire where the fire is everlasting where the fire is not extinguished where the fire is experienced it is experienced by every lost condemned sinner in eternity the reprobate wicked dead who refuse God entirely and who behave themselves in utter shame will experience the fires of eternity forever. I mentioned the Herods and the Hamans and the Hitlers and the Husseins who killed in mass for pleasure will burn in the fire that ascends up forever in eternity. Mass murderers like Ted Bundy, Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, 
Gary Ridgeway, the Green River Killer, and others will be there on that day. But there will not only be those who are mass murderers, but there'll be plenty of folks, my friend, who you would not expect, men who were religious people who have trusted Him, and their rosary beads who have trusted in, their Jesus wafers who have trusted in, their tithing or their church attendance or their baptismal certificate or a missionary journey on a bicycle or some other religious shivalette. And my friend, there will be moral people there who believe their donation to the Cancer Society, their following of the speed limit law and wearing a seatbelt. And my friend is going to get them on to heaven. Their being a good person will save them. I heard a man several years ago say, well, of course I'm a Christian. I'm an American, ain't I? I'm telling you, that does not make you a child of God. That doesn't make you a Christian. Matter of fact, if being an American makes you a Christian, my friend, we're in sad shape for need of Christians. Because America is full of all sorts of wickedness and debauchery on every side. I even had a man years ago told me, I know I'm going to heaven, said I pay my alimony. But that won't get you to heaven paying your alimony. My friend, there's a lot of things people are putting their confidence in. But if your confidence is in anything other than faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then your confidence is misplaced. All who have not trusted Jesus as Savior will experience the fire of hell forever. And my friend, good little boys and girls that went to Sunday school, I'd go to the same hell. Had the child molesters and murderers and rapists and violent felons go to if they've never been saved by the grace of God. It is just that simple. Somebody told me years ago, that preacher, I don't like you preaching like that. My boys and girls in the congregation, and it frightens them and it scares them. We've even had a couple of people after church have folks who I thought were anchors in the church, a part of the church, were participants, were a part of of things. You don't know who they are, so don't try to figure it out because I don't tell people stuff like that. That said, we took our our family out of that church and went somewhere else because hey, it's scaring our children when you preach on the judgment of God. How when you preach on hell and when you preach on fire. But listen, my children are here because they need to hear the preaching that I am preaching this morning. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shine. And the only way you'll escape the fires of eternal damnation whether you are Brother Toby's kid or anybody else's kid is you've got to have the blood of Jesus applied to your life. You must trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If I could save and deliver my children I would. I mean I wouldn't have debated this long about it. I'd have done it the day they came in this world and when I got finished with my own I'd start working on saving yours. But that power is not in me. That power is not in you. That power is not in the church. That power is not in religion. That power is not in ourselves. That power is only in God and God alone. And it's time God's people began to pray and seek the face of God that saves sinners because if He does not, there is an eternal fire that is a literal fire that is waiting on the other side of the grave and it burns throughout eternity. Hell is a place where the fire is literal. And secondly, this morning, hell is a place where the family is lost. Hell is a place where the family is lost. One of the great things that keeps me going in this world is the family that God has given me. My wife and my children mean more to me than my life does. My parents and my siblings are precious to me. My nieces and my nephews are of great value to me. My grandparents were more influential than anyone else in my life to me except for my parents. Family matters tremendously to me. And in heaven we'll be reunited again together. Oh, some have already outstripped us and gone on. But we're going to get together in the family circle after a while. We sang together while they were here. We sing together now. I mean again and again. As a matter of fact, the other evening, I guess is last night, Sonia and I were talking about something. She said, do you really think the whole choir can go and do this and that? I said, I don't know. Maybe they can if they can't. Maybe Tanya and Tess and I will get together and sing. We've done that before. I mean, we sing together while we are here. And we sang together while some of them were here. Oh, but we're going to sing together again 
before long. The family circle will be together one of these days. Daddy sang bass. Mama sang tenor. Me and little brother. I guess I was the only brother, so it's got to be talking about me. Me and little brother just joined right in there. I sing in that family circle. Will the circle be unbroken by and by, by and by? The prayer that I pray most fervently unto the Lord Almighty is that the family circle would not be broken. Heaven will be a place of family reunions. And hell will be a place where the family is lost. All of separation. It will be a place where brothers are separated from each other. The rich man of Luke chapter 16 heard the cries in the distance and wondered if one of his brothers were there. He had five brothers that were not prepared for eternity. And he knew they were not ready to die. But he didn't look to ever see them again. Because hell is a place where brothers are separated. Hell is a place where parents are separated. There will be a day when mothers and fathers who are unequally yoked will be separated. There will be men who love their wives but will say a forever goodbye as they are cast into eternal punishment. There will be women who love their husbands and my friend who forever say farewell because they are unsaved. And my friend, families will be divided by eternity. Hell is a place where children are separated. And what a horrible thing it would be for one of your children to go to hell. Oh, for your parents to go to hell. Not everyone has the privilege of knowing that the family circle will be forever in glory. And my friend, you need to get that settled today. You need to get that thing nailed down and have confidence that Jesus has heard your prayer and to my friend that you've made your eternal peace with God today while you have the opportunity. Amen. Amen. I love everybody here. I love everybody who's not here. And I don't want anybody anywhere to go to hell. But if I conquer the whole world, if I conquer the whole world and my own house is separated in eternity, it will be of little value to me. It'll be of some value, but of little value because the people I love most, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, and if you think hard towards me about this, just go ahead. The people that I love most are those that reside at 56 Taylor Circle. Those are the ones that I love most, and don't feel don't feel hard towards me about it. If you're the kind of parent, you're the kind of father and mother that you ought to be, I think you ought to feel the same way about those that live at your address. I mean, you ought to commit yourself to them first and most. I mean, listen, I love all of you, but uh, there's only one set of children that I'm putting through school all the time. There's only one set of children that I'm putting clothes on their back and shoes on their feet and food on their table. And it's not because I don't love your kids. But if I loved your children all the way to the end and my own family was divided in eternity, my heart would break. I mean, that weighs heavy on my heart and on my mind. I want to be saved and to know God and to make heaven their home one of these days. That is a priority for me, Brother Thomas. It's more important than having finances or houses or land or becoming somebody as the world defines it. But it is, my friend, important to me like Noah to build an ark to the saving of my house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. To find grace in the sight of the Lord and that God might spare me and my children. And though I cannot save their souls, I can declare unto them the gospel and I can sound unto them the warning of and I can cry to them, get it right while you can. And let God save you while you can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hell is a place where the fire is literal. Hell is a place where the family is lost. Hell is a place where fellowship is longed for. In Luke chapter 16, the rich man longed for fellowship. Abraham could sense, hear, and possibly see the rich man, but he never called for him. Abraham didn't say, hey, Mr. Rich Man, what are you doing down there? But that rich man saw and sensed and heard Abraham and saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Amen. And the rich man, he could see Abraham and Lazarus and he called 
called for them. He longed for fellowship. He longed for a kind word, a message of hope, the fellowship of a friend, but it was never given. Hell is a place where fellowship is longed for, but it is never realized. Hell is a place where a man looks for a drop of water to cool his tongue, but it cannot be found. Sin Lazarus said he may dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And yet the cup of water never came. Hell is a place where you look for a visit from a friend. Sin Lazarus unto me, and yet the visit never happened. There was a great gulf fixed between those who knew the Lord and those who were in a place of punishment. And Abraham said, so that we cannot go to you, and you cannot come to us. Hell is a place where fellowship is longed for. How you'd want a drink of water, you'd want a visit from a friend. How you'd want a word from a preacher. And my friend, multitudes of folks have gone to hell saying, I would to God that preacher would shut up. I would to God that preacher would leave me alone. I wish he'd drop dead. Get out of my face. I quit causing so much trouble. I don't want to hear any more of that. And yet for eternity in hell, that would to God they'd have a visit from a preacher. You hear a word from the man of God. Sin Lazarus not only to me, but send him to my brothers, said that rich man, that they wouldn't come to this awful place of torment. There'll be a place where the voice of the preacher will sound in eternity, but his face will not be seen. How where the minds and memories of men I will recall by it to camp meeting days, the church services, but there'll be no altar to repent in. There'll be no place of refuge to be found for them. You'll hear the preacher, but you'll not hear the invitation. You'll hear the message, but it will be condemnation and not a call to repent. Amen. How you'll desire a word from the preacher, but there will be no word of hope for your soul. Hell is a place where fellowship is longed for. And an answer from a church, someone to care, someone to share, but there will be no one. It'll be eternal isolation. My friend in hell, you'll remember that certain person who was sent to win your soul. And hell, you'll remember that certain place. And like where Lazarus was laid full of sores. And God preached the, I pricked the rich man's heart. But he ignored the Lord. You'll remember that certain preacher who declared the message of the gospel again and again. And you'll see his face full of sweat and tears. And remember how you shook your head and said no. Oh, I remember being last time. I guess it was right at New Year's Day, wasn't it? In North Carolina, and the man in the back of the church, I had preached on, I had preached on the, uh, the great white throne judgment. And I'm telling you, I gave my very best at it. I don't know what kind of preaching it was, but I gave it my best. And I said everything God wanted me to say. And conviction was so thick in there, you could have cut it with a knife. And when I gave the invitation, and not only were they some that came and there were some that did not and there were some that raised their hand and asked specifically to be prayed for and there was one who my friend was under deep conviction and he not only would not come he not only did not raise his hand to ask for and that we might pray for him but instead he turned his back to me and to the altar and to the church and to God and he folded his arms and he propped up against the pew and he shook his hand and defiance over and over and over and over and over and over again until my heart melted in my chest and until I wept hot tears of my friend down my face and on my pillow night after night since but hear me I cannot do that for him until he's willing to break his rebellion against God and get right with the Lord he'll not have peace in his heart hear me today don't fold your arms don't shake your head. Don't say no to Jesus. Let God do something in your heart. If you go to hell, you'll remember that certain preacher who declared the message unto you. You'll remember that certain parent who pled with you while hot tears stained their cheeks and they prayed over your soul that you refused the only Lord Jesus. And my friend, hell is a place where fellowship is longed for. But it cannot be found. 
Hell is a place where the fire is literal. Hell is a place where the family is lost. Hell is a place where fellowship is longed for. Number four, and I'm finishing this morning. I can't tell you everything you need to know about eternal separation from God in one message. But hell is a place where folks call on the Lord. But He never listens. Oh my... I have such confidence in the Lord. Because He said, All that the Father shall give me shall come unto me. And he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. Do you realize there's never been a sinner come to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, calling on God, earnestly, earnestly desiring to be saved of Him. And the Lord said, Go away. You bother me. I won't save you. I don't take kind like you. I don't put up with people like you. I don't want you. I'll not hear your prayer. Not one single solitary time. Woo! If he ever did it, if he ever did it, Brother John, he might would have done it with me. But praise God, he's not in that business. He's in the receiving business. But that's because we are in a day of grace. We found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But there will come a time, there will come a time when these opportunities of grace will be passed. And eternity men will call on the Lord. And he will not hear. He will not hear. Oh, of all the things that break my heart to preach, this is gut-wrenching to me that sinners will call upon the name of the Lord and He will not hear. You realize that if you go to hell and do an interview, I've preached on an interview from hell. You go to hell this, this day and do an interview if you could and you were to ask around and do a survey or a poll you'll find 0% of people in hell who are atheists. Oh, there's been a lot of atheists go to hell, but there's none of them in hell. They all believe in God now. They all believe in heaven. They all believe in hell. They all believe in judgment. They all believe in Jesus now. It's just too late. There are no atheists in hell, but it's too late for them to believe and too late for them to plead for mercy. In hell they call upon the Lord and they declare their works, said Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22. He said, many will say unto me, they're talking to the Lord, they're talking to God, they're talking to Jesus, they're calling on the Lord. Many will say unto me, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils? and in thy name have done many wonderful works then I will profess unto them I never knew you depart from me ye that work iniquity they will declare their works and yet they will not be saved on that day they will decry their past and my friend they'll look back into this life they'll remember what they did in this whole world when they refused Jesus and they would to God a million times over they could go back and change it but it will be too late see in my mind's eye the image of Brother Pace standing right there our pilot's hands washing his hands yet he can't get Jesus off his hands and there will be a day in eternity where pilot is washing his hands where the rich man is thinking about the purple in his mirror where Felix is checking his calendar to look for a convenient season where Agrippa is singing almost persuaded but altogether lost many will hear the sermon in their ears see the pleading pastor in their minds and listen to the singing of just as I am they think of the altar call where they could have made it right but all of that is over now they thought they had plenty of time and now they have nothing but time but they'll never escape where they are they decry their past but it is too late to do anything about it hell is a place where folks call on the Lord but he does not answer their prayers they declare their works. They decry their past. They denounce their refusal. Every person in hell. Make no mistake about it, sir. Every person in hell. If they could have one more chance. To get out of hell for five seconds. And get on an altar to get right with God. 
There is not one single being in hell that would refuse. But there will be no other opportunity given. I'm finished preaching this morning. Listen to me as I'm closing. Can you sing, Sorry I Never Knew You? Sorry I Never Knew You. There is no reincarnation. Man is not a fly nor an animal. He is created in the image of Almighty God. And when he leaves this life, he will answer to him as eternal judge. Revelation 20 verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and the hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Do I trouble you today? Do I disturb your delicate sensibilities, sensitivities? That's my role. That's my job. To agitate, to provoke, to stir you. I do not cast forward my lines as an actor would as he renders for a movie or a play. But from the depths of my soul today, I'm trying to sound the trumpet and set the alarm and warn you that there is a hell to shine. When I stand before God, He's not going to judge me about the salon where I got my hair done. He's not going to judge me based on whether or not my tie was just right, though I do try to get it just right. He's not going to judge me based on whether or not my voice was always smooth. And it's a good thing because it's not. But he's going to hold me accountable for whether or not that I confronted you with the truth. That he gave me in his word. And that he pressed upon my heart by his spirit. And today I'd like to be able to say that I have offset my burden. And now it's on you. But a message like this you don't ever offset. It's ultimately your responsibility what you do with it. But it's still weighs heavy on my heart. I remember hearing, I think it was, I think it was J. Howard Smith. I think it was. Say that if it would save people, he would crawl a, a mile on his tongue across broken shards of glass to get to him and tell him about the gospel. See, it wouldn't save them. It's going to be between you and the Lord. If you'll hear the gospel, respond to Christ, let God do a work in your heart. I'm going to say something here right, right about now where I'm closing. Y'all know me well enough to know I am not, not easy believers. I'm Hollywood evangelism. But I want to say something about being saved for some of these boys and girls at church especially. There's some that sort of got it stuck in their minds that it's the hardest thing in the world to get born again. And nothing could be further from the truth. Satan's tried to get that in your mind. When little Gracie got saved, she came to the altar on Sunday morning. And I felt the Lord impress on me that Saturday. I mean impress heavily on me to preach to her that morning. And I have never felt that way about preaching to any one person in my life. I knew God was telling me to. And then when she came to the altar, I rejoiced in my heart. And I started to dive down in that altar to pray with her. And God said no. And I like to die. And she prayed and she struggled and she cried. And she got up and she walked out and never said anything to me. Got in the car and asked Sonia. She said, Mama, Daddy said at the end of the message this morning, but it's not hard for the Lord to save you. She said, that's right. Gracie asked Sonia, said, then why is it so hard for me to get saved? But that night, she came back to the altar again to pray. And the Lord said, it's all right now. You can pray with her. 
I knelt down beside her and I heard her over and over again say, Lord, save me. God, forgive me. Lord, save me. I knew she did, but I didn't. I asked her anyway, what did you come for this morning or this evening? She said, I can't be saved. I said, did you come because you just know you need to be saved or because you believe the Lord wants to save you tonight? She said, oh, He won't save me tonight. I said, well, did you ask Him to save you? She said, yes. I said, well, did He do what you asked Him to? She said, I believe He did. Sonia said, no, honey. He said, you got to know that He did. She said, well, I know He did. Hallelujah. Nine years old. Didn't have to have seminary training for that. Didn't have to be able to quote a bunch of verses of Scripture, though she could. Are you listening to me today? You say, well, I don't even know if I can quote John 3.16. That's not why the Lord saves you anyhow. I don't believe in the magic of some special prayer to, re- to save you. But some of you sit on the pew sometimes and I'm afraid you think, well, what do I tell the Lord? I don't know how to put words together the way I want to. What will I tell Him if I need to be saved? It's just as simple as putting your head down before God and your heart pointed towards Him and saying, Lord, have mercy on me as a sinner. I want you to save my soul. Forgive me of all of my sin. Make me right before you. And believe that He will do what He has promised He would do. If you'll do that, the Lord will save you quicker and quick and you won't have to wrestle with Him to get Him to do it. You can have deliverance. What a great verse. Psalms 86 verse 12. I will praise Thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify Thy name forever, for great is Thy mercy toward me. Thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. This morning there are people in the building who need to be born again. Today you need to be saved. Today God the Holy Ghost is dealing with your heart. She's going to sing, sorry I never knew you. There are those that are going to hear those words again and again throughout eternity. But you do not have to this morning. You can get things right with God. I seldom do it, but I want to pray before we give an invitation. Lord, we love you and thank you so from the depths of our heart for the preaching and the truth of your word. We pray that it would accomplish what you desire. Bless the fumbling words of this preacher, this man of clay, that they may find a lodging place in the hearts of people. Lord, we've tried to be cautious and to do no violence to your word. I pray this morning that you would anoint people to hear the voice of the Lord, that you'd call sinners unto yourself, and you'd give victory in Jesus. Help us all as a church, Lord, to get serious about praying for the lost and to sincerely seek after your face for those that need to be saved. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody stand. She's going to sing. If you need to pray, I want you to be obedient to the Lord. I've done what I can, but my abilities have come to an end. And it's between you and God now what you will do with the message. Would you hear? Would you respond? Would you come and pray? If you're concerned about your heart, if you're not where you need to be with God, if you're lost, if you're not living right and you know you're not right, would you come? If you're here and don't know the Lord, there are people all over this building already praying for your soul. They're praying sincerely that you'd get right with God. Are you concerned about your soul this morning? Would you ask the Lord to do a work in your life? Seek after the Lord.